When the Roses Bloom Again by Lee McCusker Read by Sam Gabriel Based on the works of J.K. Rowling Chapter 47 No Longer Burdened Lord Black, you must wake up, Gellert urged gently shaking the man to rouse him from his slumber. Orion Black's condition had only worsened in recent weeks, his moments of clarity all but gone now. Worse still, where he had been physically quite well, he had deteriorated rapidly. He became exhausted from minimal exertion on his part, and the man had aged horribly. He wasn't long for this world, and the news that Galert brought just might be the end of him. "'Who are you?' Orion demanded sitting up in his bed. It is Gellert, Lord Black. You have been staying with me for some years now. Is that so? Orion asked, almost amusedly. Gellert nodded. I have news for you, Lord Black. Oh, is my wife back then? No, Lord Black. Your wife is no longer with us. It is Cassiopeia, and Perseus I must discuss with you. My little Cass, where is she? Gellert released a deep breath. She is quite unwell, Lord Black, he explained. She has been badly poisoned. For almost two weeks Cassiopeia had laid motionless in her bed with round-the-clock care. She had yet to wake but the healers had done an admirable job looking after her. The woman was fortunate that Mr. Sato had been in Gallert's study when she arrived. Without his timely intervention, she would be dead. Poisoned by whom? By our enemies. Orion Black was confused for a moment before he nodded. But she will be okay. I'm certain she is over the worst of it, Gallert assured the man who relaxed somewhat. But... That does bring me on to Perseus. Perseus? Your eldest son, Gillard reminded him. Oh, of course, Orion acknowledged. He's a fine boy. Where is he? The man had certainly changed his tune where his son was concerned. It was seldom Orion had any praise for Perseus, often treating him with scorn. Perseus was killed, Lord Black, Gillard explained sadly. He had grown to admire the young Black. Perseus had been ambitious, loyal, and dedicated to a fault. Gillette would miss his company. Dead? Lord Black gasped. My boy! Yes. How? Orion choked. He fell in battle to Lord Potter, Gillette informed him. Perseus fought bravely. Orion appeared to be confused for a moment. Potter, he questioned. The Potters are not enemies of the Blacks. My own father always told me that the Potters are not friends, but they are not enemies. Lord Potter chose to fight against us, Lord Black. Orion shook his head. I'll kill him! Gellert placed his hands on the man's chest to prevent him getting out of bed. There's no need, Lord Black. I killed Lord Potter myself. 
Orion didn't seem to be listening, frowning as he seemed to be facing an internal conflict of sorts. Whatever was going on in the deluded mind of the man, Gellert knew not, but he was purpling with fury, his eyes becoming clear of fatigue and confusion for the first time in weeks. You bastard! he roared. He died because of you! He died because he chose to serve you! Before Gellert could stop him, Orion Black had retrieved his wand from the sleeve of his pajamas and began firing curses at him indiscriminately, spells that had been gathered by various members of the Black family over the past centuries. Gillard had seen these spells whilst he had trained with Cassiopeia, and were any to make contact with him, the results would be unpleasant indeed. "'Lord Black, you must con yourself,' Gillard insisted. "'You won't get another canot out of me, you murdering swine! You killed my boy!' Orion Black's accusations continued, and Gillert grew quickly irritated with the man, even when he fell to the ground, coughing and wheezing from exhaustion. "'Lord Black, are you okay?' Gillert asked. "'Piss off!' Orion spluttered. Gillert's jaw tightened. The man had become a burden long ago, but Gillert had ensured he was cared for. "'Come on, let us get you back into bed,' he sighed, pulling the frail man to his feet. I don't want to go to bed, Ryan protested. I think some rest will help, Gillard soothed, placing him back in his blankets. Orion began coughing uncontrollably. With a sigh, Gillard fetched him some water, and the man gulped it down greedily. A burden indeed, Gillard muttered. I found the cadaver. Orion Black didn't see the curse coming and he fell still as it collided with his chest. None would suspect what had befallen the man who looked as though he had passed peacefully in his sleep. With a shake of his head, Gillert closed his eyes and began the tedious task of cleaning up the damage the man had caused to his room. He had barely finished his work when one of the healers that had joined his cause opened the door wearing an expression of relief before it fell. She's awake, Gillert, she muttered, taking in the appearance of Orion Black. How is she? Crocky, but doing well under the circumstance. Gillette nodded sadly. I had hoped he would live long enough to see her. It seems that he passed away in his sleep. Can you see to him? I will go to Cassiopeia now. Of course, Gellert, the healer complied, unashamedly saddened by the passing of Lord Black. She had been caring for the man for some time now, so her reaction was understandable. With a final look at the fallen lord, Gillert took his leave of the room and headed towards the one that belonged to Cassiopeia. She was still pale, and the woman was frowning deeply in thought when he entered and took a seat next to her bed. How are you feeling? Gillert asked, taking her by the hand. What happened? Cassiopeia asked. I was hoping you could tell me, Gillert sighed. You returned from your visits with the flamers in a bad way. You had been poisoned. Poisoned by what? The healers couldn't be certain. But whatever it was should have been fatal. You are fortunate that you injected only a small amount and that you were treated quickly. You have been unconscious for two weeks. Two weeks? Cassiopeia murmured, her eyes widening suddenly. Evans! Evans! Gillette asked with a frown. He was there. He killed the men that were with me. We fought. 
and he was even better than before. He knew how to defend against my family magic, she finished disbelievingly. Gillard hummed irritably. We did expect him to show, he reminded her. Cassiopeia nodded. He was furious. He poisoned the men with a fog of sorts. She was becoming agitated, fearful even, and Gellert gave her hand a reassuring squeeze. We will be prepared for him next time, he promised. For now, there is some news that you should be made aware of. What news? Gellert deflated, having not relished telling her of her brother's passing and with the added death of her father, he couldn't be certain how the woman would react. Perseus was killed in a duel by Lord Potter. Lord Potter? Cassiopeia gasped. He knew better than to confront him. I warned him about Lord Potter. You did, Gellert comforted. But he fought and died bravely, and his death was avenged immediately. Lord Potter is dead. By my own hand. Cassiopeia released a deep breath. Britain will not like that. Any that were reluctant to fight won't be now. They're a popular family, Gellert asked with a frown. Cassiopeia nodded. They are amongst the most respected, and his son will not take his death lightly. He's a friend of Evans, who, from what I learned, is close to the Potters himself. Evans has kept out of the war, but I don't think he will now. So, we've rid ourselves of one enemy, only to incur the wrath of another. Many others, Cassiopeia pointed out. The lords and ladies of Britain will take it as a personal attack on them that Lord Potter was killed. Gellert cursed under his breath. We will plan for reprisals accordingly, but there is something else you must know. Cassiopeia looked at Gellert expectantly. Your father's health took a turn for the worse. He took the news of Perseus's death badly, and he died during the night. I'm sorry, my dear. There was nothing more the healers could do for him. Cassiopeia's face fell, but she didn't cry, nor did she seem to be angry. She merely accepted it, as though it was something she had prepared herself for. I will need to visit Octurus and inform him of what has happened, she murmured. He will want to know, even if he is angry with us. All in good time, Gillard urged. You must first be better yourself. Cassiopeia shook her head. No, I will see him today. I think I've rested enough. Very well, Gellert agreed. But only if the healer says you are well enough. I will send it to you soon. For now, rest a little more. I will have some food brought. Cassiopeia nodded mutely, and Gellert left the room. It was a shame that Orion Black had to die. Were it only Perseus's death Cassiopeia had to digest, Gillard expected that she would have accepted it for what it was, but the death of her father had been a blow too many. Cassiopeia wasn't a sentimental woman as such, but she cared for her family, and seemed to have reconnected with her father during the past two years, so his death would hit her hard. Still, Gillard felt no guilt for what he'd done. Orion Black had attacked him, had tried to kill him, and there was not a person living that could be allowed to get away with that. Gillard had been patient with the man and the problems his condition had brought. He'd made more allowances than he usually would out of respect for Cassiopeia, but his patience had its limits and Orion Black had gone beyond them. 
Cassiopeia would grieve for her father and brother, but she would be back to herself soon enough. She was as dedicated to the cause as Gellert, and the loyalty she had to him would outweigh any grief she felt. Once she had spoken with her brother, the one who refused to follow Gellert, Cassiopeia would return having unburdened what she carried on to Arcturus. Then their work would continue. Gellert did still need to take France, something that would be made easier now that the German muggles had carried out their own invasion, their bombs having begun falling the very same night that the serpent had set the capital aflame. Arcturus checked his appearance in the mirror for a final time, his preparations of the morning, all in the name of attending his first somber engagement of such importance. "'Do you really think we should go?' Dorea asked nervously. "'You've heard the rumors?' Arcturus nodded. "'The rumors are exactly why we should go. It will show them where our loyalties lie, and it is expected. Lord Potter was a highly thought-of man, and we will pay our respects, along with the other families.' Lord Potter represented the first prominent casualty the British had sustained in the war against Grindelwald. Arcturus had no doubt that many other fellow countrymen had perished, but William Potter was no regular man in the street. He had chosen to fight, had risked his life, and he had paid the ultimate price. What concerned Arcturus were the rumors that Perseus was linked to his demise. Not that such a thing would change his mind about attending the funeral of the revered lord— if anything, it made the black heir more determined to show just whose side he was on, even if the rest of the family had turned traitor. What if there is trouble? There won't be, Arcturus assured his sister. There would be more trouble if I did not make an appearance. It would be as good as an admission of guilt. But you aren't even there, Dorea said aghast. Arcturus shook his head. That wouldn't matter to the other lords, he explained. If I hide from this— they will believe that I was somehow involved or condone what happened. Do you think the room is true? Dorea asked worriedly. I don't know, Arcturus murmured. But I wouldn't put it past the little bastard to pull a stunt like killing William Potter. If there is any truth in what is being said, then I will have to make overtures to the family. I don't think that would be well received. No, it wouldn't. But I will not find us at odds with them. We have never been enemies. And I will not let a little shit like Perseus change that. Now what? Arcturus snapped as the wards notified him of a visitor at the front door. It may be the flowers I ordered, Duray explained. I'll go. Arcturus adjusted his robes once more, ensuring he had everything he'd need for the day ahead. Gold, wand, tribute, he muttered. Frowning as a tight-jawed Duray returned with another in tow. Cassiopeia looked unwell thinner than usual, and her skin paler. "'You've got some fucking nerve,' Arcturus spat. "'I told you before not to show your face around here again.' "'It's good to see you, too,' Cassiopeia replied dryly. "'Do be a good little brother and shut up. You'll want to hear what I have to say.' Arcturus's nostrils flared irritably. "'Say what it is you want and get out. Today is not the day for this.' Cassiopeia narrowed her eyes at him. "'Perseus is dead.' Arcturus looked up at his sister, checking that this was no trick, wanting to see the truth of the matter in her expression. How? He was murdered by William Potter, Cassiopeia snarled. Murdered? Arcturus chortled. That would insinuate that William Potter attacked Perseus unlawfully, and away from the battlefield, is that what happened? What does it matter? Potter killed him, 
Hector smirked and felt himself filled with relief. Perhaps he should be upset that Perseus was dead, but he wasn't. The elder brother had made his bed the day he left with the intent on joining Grindelwald, and Arcturus would not mourn for him. "'Is that all?' he asked waspishly. "'Is that all? Is that all you have to say about your own brother being killed?' Arcturus felt his temper flare, but he held it together for Dorea, who was quietly weeping in the corner of the study. "'As far as I'm concerned, the Pratt got exactly what was coming to him. And even if it was Potter who killed him— what do you expect me to do about it? He's dead. Killed by your master, from what the witnesses are saying. That isn't the point, Arcturus. Yes, it is, Arcturus returned firmly. If Potter killed Perseus, then he killed a traitor. He'll be given the order of Merlin. Cassiopeia shook her head in disbelief. What about father? Did he deserve to die too? Father? Died this morning. Cassiopeia informed her siblings. I suppose it causes you great pain that he died peacefully in his sleep. It looks as though you've gotten what you want now. You're the new Lord Black. Dorea choked and ran from the room at the revelation. She and their father had never been close, but Dorea was much more sensitive than the other members of the family. She was too young to remember the death of their mother the way the rest of the family did. How very convenient, Arcturus commented. Perseus dies, then father so soon after. Cassiopeia cackled. Father has been sick for many years, and he did not take the news of his eldest son dying well. Arcturus shook his head. Don't try and lecture me about his illness, he growled. I sought for myself. Day in and day out, whilst you and Perseus were too busy kissing Grindelwald's arse. You expect me to mourn for Perseus, or even father for that matter. That's not going to happen. Their deaths change nothing for me. I have been the one these past four years that ensured our family continued to run, that our businesses did not fail. So you did nothing? Arcturus chuckled darkly. You expect me to do what exactly? To follow in their footsteps and follow your master? I don't bloody well think so. If anything, they died because of him, and if I am to do anything about it, I will use every resource at my disposal to ensure the bastard dies. Not because I give two shits about father of Perseus, mind— but because the lords and ladies here will expect it of me as a black. Grindelwald is not your enemy, Arcturus. Potter killed Perseus. No. Grindelwald killed Perseus by filling his head with all the bullshit he spouts, by making him believe he stood a chance against William Potter, and when he couldn't, your master killed a good man who fought for his country. I'll take my revenge for them, but it won't be against the Potters. It will be against the man who is to blame for this entire mess. Cassiopeia shook her head in disbelief, but was cut off by Arcturus before she could speak. Now I want you to leave. William Potter is being buried today, and I will go as the Lord Black to pay my respects to a man that deserves it. Do what you will with Father and Perseus, and do pass on a message to Grindelwald when you see him. A message? Cassiopeia asked almost mockingly. Arcturus nodded. Tell him that he will receive not another canut from the black coffers, and that I hold him solely responsible for the death of Perseus and father. Tell him that the full weight of House Black will come down on him for what he has done. You wanted me to act against the one responsible, and I will. But today is not about Grindelwald. You choose to pander to the lords and ladies here instead of coming to bury your brother and father. Cassiopeia whispered dangerously. Arcturus shook his head. 
I choose to celebrate the life of a man that deserves recognition. And I would urge you to stay clear. Everyone knows you're one of Grindelwald's stooges. And even I will not be able to stop Charles from killing you. Or Evans, for that matter. Arcturus noticed a flicker of worry cross Cassiopeia's expression at the mention of the latter. Worried about the half-blood? he snorted. Cassiopeia swallowed deeply. No, she ground out. He will get his. Arcturus laughed. You never learn, do you? he muttered irritably. Might I assume that you were responsible for the attack on the Flamels? The Daily Prophet had mentioned an incident at their home in France, but the details were lacking. He tried to kill me, Cassiopeia hissed furiously. So you tried to kill his aunt and uncle, Arcturus deduced. I don't suppose he took kindly to that. Cassiopeia said nothing, but Arcturus didn't need an explanation. The woman flushed red in a mixture of embarrassment and fury. Just leave, curse, Arcturus sighed tiredly. You chose your side, and now you're realizing that there are people that don't share Grindelwald's vision. There are those that will oppose him and those that will give their lives to protect others. He will lose, and I will do everything in my power to ensure it. Cassiopeia's jaw tightened as she glared at her brother. Once upon a time, Arcturus would have been fearful of the looks sent his way, but he was no longer a little boy who was scared of his older sister. That is your final word? Arcturus frowned at the woman. Did you expect something else? Cassiopeia laughed humorlessly. From you, no, she said disappointedly. But I thought you would show some care for father and Perseus. Those were departing words before she stormed from the room, and Arcturus cursed under his breath. Despite everything that had happened, he was sorry for what had happened to his brother and father. He wasn't a monster, but he would not allow Cassiopeia the opportunity to use the grief he felt to manipulate him against those that didn't deserve it, nor who were not his enemies. Grindelwald was to blame for what had happened, and if Orion Black had truly died from learning the death of a son he'd never shown any care for, then Arcturus would eat the family elf. It was too coincidental for his liking. It's all right, he assured Dorea as she returned to what was now his study and flung herself into his arms. I will make sure those responsible will pay. He would, too. Arcturus had avoided fighting because he did not wish to meet his brother on the battlefield, but now he had little choice in the matter. He couldn't sit back and allow what had happened to pass without consequence, and though there were those that may expect him to hold William Potter to blame for what had happened to Perseus, there was only one who had incurred his wrath. Two weeks is more than enough time to have conducted an investigation and compile a report as what occurred in Paris. What are your findings, ghost? The Supreme Mugwump questioned pointedly. The head of the Department of Justice cleared his throat. Grindelwald's men attacked from the south. We know that, the Supreme Mugwump snapped. Why was your battle plan such an unmitigated disaster? Because it was no different to any other plan that was adopted previously. Don't cut in harshly. It was a poor plan that was poorly executed, he added, receiving mutters of agreement from his peers. It was a sound plan, Fox defended, but there was poor cooperation within our forces. So your justification is to blame the men on the ground, the Supreme Mugwump asked disappointedly. The plan would have worked had they— Enough! the Russian Minister of Magic roared angrily. My son and his men fought amongst your forces. He will give you the truth of the matter. The Supreme Mugwump gestured for the younger Russian to do so, 
and he stood with a baleful glare towards Fox. The plan was a poor one that resulted in many deaths. The defense of France should not have been mounted in Paris. Do I have a final death count? The Supreme Mugwump question goes to nodded. We have 417 men, either dead or missing in action, and presume so, he announced. The Supreme Mugwump shook his head. Such a waste, please continue, he urged the Russian. The reason what happened in Paris was such a disaster is because you allowed Grindelwald to have an even battlefield. All his men needed to do was focus on killing us. The fighting should not have happened in France at all, but on the border. The serpent said the same thing to myself and my father, and we agreed. Where is this serpent? Abreu asked curiously. Feeling to answer his summons, Fox replied almost smugly. I imagine that he's feeling ashamed of what he did. The murmurings of the representatives of the ICW did not denote their agreement with her deduction. Ashamed? The Supreme Mugwump questioned. By all accounts, if it were not for him, the fighting would have continued, and we would have been either defeated by Grindelwald's men or slaughtered by the muggles dropping their bombs. As things are, Grindelwald is not in control of France, and many lives were saved. The serpent was responsible for almost destroying Paris, Fox pointed out. Buildings can be replaced, da? The Russian minister interjected. Your plan was a poor one. Out of interest, where have you placed your men now? On the border between France and Belgium, Ghost answered, to prevent them attempting to invade, as was suggested by your son. The Russian minister gave Ghost and Fox a knowing look. So, now you have adopted the plan that should have been implemented. Didn't the serpent suggest it to you before what happened in Paris? He did mention something similar, Ghost confirmed before Fox could speak. The Russian smiled condescendingly. Is it possible the serpent was killed? Abreu asked. If he is not answering his summons. It is, Ghost replied. There has been no communication from him, and he was not given clearance to be there in the first place. He is a hit wizard, not a front-line soldier. His proclamation was not well received, and the Russian minister scoffed loudly. It is men like him that we need, he declared. Men who are willing to do what is necessary, not weak-minded fools and their lovesick assistant that will cost us more lives than necessary. How dare you! Fox spat, but the Russian stood, and his guards withdrew their wands. I am willing to collaborate with you, but my men will not follow any of your stupid plans. That will see them unable to return to their families. From here, they will follow my orders. And if they do not coincide with your own, then perhaps you should rethink them, he suggested. We have defended our borders for centuries without being invaded successfully. Maybe you should consult with those that know what they're doing, da? Both Fox and Ghost had been chided sufficiently, and the Supreme Mugwump seemed to be in agreement with the Russian. Your idea was a foolish one and led to the deaths of many brave men who put their faith in you to have their best interest at heart. I cannot comment on the veracity of the claim that the serpent suggested a better, alternative plan that you chose to ignore, but I would suggest that you do not do so in the future. You have lost the trust of many within this room, and I fear that you should no longer be in charge of our military operations. Are there any that disagree? None spoke, and though Ghost accepted the words of the Supreme Mugwump with a humble nod, Fox seemed to be entirely offended. Then my recommendation is that each nation select generals that will liaise with one another to discuss tactics and form plans. Any objections? I agree entirely, Doge spoke up. 
eliciting nods of agreement from the other representatives. Then that is settled, Abreu declared. Each country will choose a man, and the Department of Justice can go about their business of apprehending wanted criminals, where their expertise seemingly lies. It was a scathing remark, but one that was not disputed, and Ghost took his leave of the ICW chambers, feeling relieved more than disappointed. The same could not be said for Fox, however, who scowled and sulked as though she was a child that had had her favorite toy taken away. Ghost appreciated her input for the most part, had known the woman for many years, but between them they had made a mess of repelling Grindelwald's attack. Perhaps the serpent had been right after all. Send for him again, Ghost instructed. Fox merely nodded, though she certainly wasn't happy to do so. Being here was worlds apart from what Harry had experienced at Fedorov's funeral. The mood was no less somber, but the burial of William Potter was more personal to him, and here Harry was sharing in the grief of others he cared for deeply, those he had come to know well. He had come to care for Ivan, too, but William, although the man would never know it, was family. Harry released a deep breath as the minister conducting the service spoke, the words of the man inaudible as Harry was lost in his own thoughts. Out of everything he had experienced, breaking the news of William's death to Charles and Angelica had been the worst thing he'd endured. The woman had immediately broken down, sobbing uncontrollably whilst Charles had been in shock. Harry had not seen him shed a tear that evening, but the same could not be said for now. Unashamedly, they rolled down his cheeks as he watched the coffin being lowered into the ground. Harry, too, felt another stab of loss, the comforting squeeze of his hand from Minerva offering little reprieve. The two weeks since Paris had burned had gone by in a blur of grief, and Harry questioning his own actions. In this time, Minerva and the Flamels had been there for him, and even Professor Dippet had visited to express his sorrow for what had happened— Nicholas and Perronel had stayed with Harry, helping him hold everything together, and Harry appreciated their presence. Even if he merely needed distracting from the dark and haunting thoughts that plagued him, they had been there. He returned the gesture Minerva had offered, taking a deep breath. Today, Wizarding Britain was in mourning, and it appeared that every lord, lady, and other person of importance had arrived to share in that. Harry watched as each of them approached and placed a rose on top of the coffin before he did so himself, shaking his head sadly as he moved on to allow the next to pay their tribute. Come on, Minerva urged as the crowd began leaving the graveyard of Godric's Hollow where all potters were laid to rest. Harry nodded and followed the woman. Not you, Charlie said hoarsely, taking him firmly by the arm. You can stay with us. Harry met the eyes of the man for the first time since he had brought his father home from Paris. There wasn't any anger there, nor did Charles seem to blame Harry for what had happened. It brought him a sense of relief, but it couldn't shift the feeling of loss. Nothing could do that. That's all right, Harry assured Minerva, who offered him a smile before she left with the Flamels. Harry, for some time, stood awkwardly with Charles and Angelica, each lost in their own thoughts until the former spoke. I heard that you almost burned Paris to the ground after what happened to him. Harry nodded. I would have burned the entire country if it would have brought him back. Charles snorted, knowing you as I do. I don't doubt that. They fell silent once more, the only sounds to be heard being Angelica's sniffling until Charles spoke once more. 
"'What happened?' he asked. "'We've heard rumours and what everyone else think happened, but you were there, Harry. "'What happens to him?' Harry had been dreading this question. "'How could he put into words what had befallen William Potter? "'How could he tell Charles and Angelica that he was attacked dishonorably, "'that Harry had failed to save him?' He shook his head. No words could soften this blow. I wasn't there for all of it, Harry sighed. Cassiopeia Black and a group of men attacked Nicholas and Paranel, and I went to help. Cassiopeia Black? Harry nodded. Revenge for what happened in Hogsmead, I suppose. Charles hummed disapprovingly. By the time I got back to Paris, your father just killed Perseus Black, and that's when he arrived. Grindelwald? Yes, Harry confirmed. He cursed your father in the back. I tried to stop it, but it didn't reach him in time. The bastard smiled about it, and I... Lost your temper? Charles pressed. I'm sorry, Harry offered sincerely. Charles shook his head. Don't be stupid. My father knew what he was risking, but he did what he did anyway. You certainly have nothing to apologize for. If anything, I'm, I'm glad you were there with him. At least he didn't die alone. Charles seemed to be taking it all in his stride, but as Harry looked into the man's eyes, he could see Charles was barely managing to keep his composure. As upset as he was about what had happened to William, he was silently seething. I wish he didn't have to die at all, Harry murmured. Charles nodded his agreement as he placed a hand on Harry's shoulder. Thank you for being there, and for bringing him back. You're a good man, Harry, and my father thought very highly of you, just as I do. Words that were meant to bring him some comfort only made Harry feel worse, but he accepted them graciously. And me, Angelica broke in, pulling him into a hug. We will be proud of you for what you did. You mean almost destroying a whole city? Angelica gave a watery chuckle. Somehow I think he would find it amusing, and he'd be flattered that you thought so much of him. She frowned as she looked at Harry speculatively, almost as though she wanted to ask him something. Evidently she thought better of it and merely shook her head. I suppose we should head into the church, Charles sighed. There'll be people waiting there for us wanting to apologize and kiss my ass. Kiss your ass? Harry questioned as Angelica huffed. Charles nodded. With Dad gone and the new Lord Potter, he explained bitterly. They want to ensure their businesses are safe and to get a measure for the kind of man I'll be. The politics just don't end, do they? Harry asked. No, Charles grumbled. They're only just beginning. The bastards will be hanging around me like flies on shit, watching my every move. Charles, Angelica chastised. Am I wrong? Angelica sighed as she shook her head. No, but you should be respectful. I'll afford them the same respect they do me, Charles declared. Father would expect that. With a final shake of his head, Charles began walking in the direction of the church, followed by Harry and Angelica, who held him back. When you have a moment, can I have a private word with you? She requested. Not now, but soon. Of course, Harry replied. Just let me know when. Angelica offered him a grateful smile and looped her arm through his.
How have you been? she asked. Not good, Harry answered honestly. Nick and Paranel have been staying with me, but it's not been much of a distraction. Nothing is, Angelica sighed. A part of me believes that this is all just a bad dream, and that he will walk through the door as though nothing has happened. It's silly, really. No, it isn't, Harry disagreed. Maybe there's a part of me that just refuses to accept when we've lost someone. For years I thought that maybe my parents weren't dead, and that they'd come and rescue me. Rescue you? Angelica pressed with a frown. From my relatives, Harry said embarrassedly. They weren't very nice people, and one of the things that helped was thinking that my mum and dad would come and just take me away from it and make it all better. Now that was silly. No, it wasn't, Angelica disagreed. Maybe hope is what gets us through these things, she added thoughtfully. Maybe hope that everything will be okay is all we need. She placed a kiss on Harry's cheek and smiled before giving him a gentle hug and heading inside the kitchen. Hope, Harry muttered to himself. Perhaps Angelica was right. With that thought in mind, he followed suit and entered the church that had become familiar to him over the past few years, where a number of people had chosen to remain behind, most being the lords and ladies of Wizarding Britain. It was to a rather tense situation that Harry happened upon where Arcturus Black and Charles were standing face to face, both seemingly not knowing what to say. It was the former that spoke first, wearing a genuine expression of sympathy. You have my deepest apologies for what happened, Charles, Arcturus said sincerely. Your father was a good man, and one that deserved better. Charles nodded his agreement. It was an unfortunate incident between my father and your brother, he replied. I won't apologize for your brother's death, but I am sorry for your loss. Arcturus nodded his acceptance as he offered his hand. I do not agree with the choices Perseus made, and the man I hold responsible for what he did will pay dearly for it. I know the moment may not be now, but I hope that one day there can be no hard feelings between our families, and that we can find ourselves at peace. Charles accepted Arcturus's hand. I have no odd feelings toward you, Arcturus, he assured the man. I know you well enough to know that you wouldn't involve yourself with him. Arcturus nodded gratefully before stepping aside for Dorea to offer some words of her own. I'm sorry, she said simply, her own grief unable to be hidden. Me too, Charles replied sadly. The blacks left the church. The tension lifting when they were gone, and Harry watched as each other guest approached Charles and Angelica to offer their condolences. By the time the last had done so, it was late in the afternoon, and Harry found himself seated with the Flamels and Minerva. How are you feeling, Harry? Nicholas inquired. Harry shrugged. I don't know, he answered. Better in some ways, worse in others. As is the way of death, the alchemist pointed out. You'll never truly get over the loss, as you well know, but you'll learn to live with it. Harry nodded. It was much the same with what had happened to Sirius. He still thought of the man often and fondly, but there was always the sense of loss there. He had just gotten better at coping with it. Would you like to get some air? Minerva asked. 
Harry nodded gratefully. Although the church had emptied considerably, there were still many guests that had opted to stay, and Harry didn't feel much like socializing with them. How are you, really? I never questioned when they were in the churchyard. Not great, Harry replied honestly. I should have been there from the start. Maybe things would have been different. Maybe they would have been, Minerva conceded. That doesn't mean they would have been better. I know, Harry sighed. If I hadn't have left, Nicholas and Paranel would probably have been killed. And Lord Porter may have died anyway, Minerva pointed out. You cannot blame yourself, Harry. I don't. There's only one person to blame for all of this, and I will make sure that he suffers for it. Minerva deflated and shook her head. Just don't do anything reckless, she pleaded. It's not worth getting yourself killed over. Lord Porter wouldn't want that. He wouldn't, the voice of Angelica agreed as she approached. And I would be furious if you did. Not even you being dead would stop me giving you a piece of my mind. Harry chuckled, knowing the woman meant what she had said. Can I have a word now? she asked. I'll keep an eye on the Flamels, Minerva said amusedly before kissing him on the cheek. Especially Nicholas, she added as she headed back towards the church. What can I do for you? Harry asked Angelica. The woman shook her head, her composure slipping once more. I'm worried about Charles, Harry, she sighed. Today was the first time I saw him grieving properly. I'm scared of what he's going to do. You're worried he's going to go after Grindelwald? Angelica nodded. He will, won't he? I wish I could say that he wouldn't, but I can't. He's as stubborn as anyone else I've met, so if that's what he decides he's going to do, I don't think anything will be able to change his mind. Angelica swallowed deeply and wiped away her tears. What can I do, Harry? she asked desperately. Nothing, Harry answered simply. But I promise that I will do my best to keep him as safe as I can. I won't let what happened to William happen to him. Angelica nodded. Thank you, she whispered. I don't know what I would do if I lost him too. Harry could only watch as she walked away, the words of his own promise playing over in his mind. He had no doubt that Charles wouldn't be able to just let what happened go, but he would be compelled to seek retribution for his father. Harry couldn't blame him. He understood what it was like to lose people in such a way, and there was not a thing that would stop him tearing Voldemort limb from limb for what he had done to his parents. Charles had every right to take whatever action he felt was necessary, but that didn't mean Harry would allow him to do it alone. He would be there for him through thick and thin to ensure that Grindelwald got exactly what he deserved. Harry frowned as his license notified him of yet another summons, and as he had with the others, he ignored it. He had nothing to say to other ghost or fox that wouldn't amount to anything more than I told you so, and now wasn't the time to be petty. No, it was time that he took matters more into his own hands, and time that he was where he was needed. That wasn't answering to goats and fox, nor the ICW for that matter. He needed only to answer to himself, and for that, he needed to be his own man. Removing his license from his back pocket, he reduced it to ash with a flick of his wand. 
The serpent would live on, but he would do so on his own terms, no longer bound by the ICW and no longer beholden to anyone other than himself. Now it was Harry that would make the rules, and as far as he was concerned, there were none that needed to be abided by. For this and other stories by the same author, visit leemccusker.com, as well as the fanfiction.net page of The Black's Resurgence. Music by Dr. James Benigoff and Sakiko. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.